Hello and welcome to Radio, a podcast by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. And in these special editions, uh, myself and Rich are going to be sharing the answers with different people about what they wish they should have done or could have done um, now during this this crazy time that we live in. Uh, my name is Ross Drakes and I'm your host. And today with me is Rich Marholland, my co-host. Hello, I'm sometimes co-host, but happy to be back in the seat with you. <laughs> You're definitely the hardest working of the duo. <laughs> yeah, we just need that to translate into financial returns and I'll be <laughs> a, a happy man. Um, so, so I suppose these, these are, are an experiment that we've been talking about because uh, one of the benefits of being part of, of the Entrepreneurs' Organization is this so much learning and so much insight that people are sharing and the amount of like generosity and openness that's been happening um, you know, amongst your members has been astounding and we, we wanted to share that with a sort of wider audience. So I suppose, Rich, let me ask you the question and then you can ask me the question. Uh, what, what do you wish you had done before this had happened or what are you doing now? Like what do you think you're doing now that people could, could understand and, and, and learn from? I mean, there's so many wishes I'd done before the business that they're almost irrelevant. So um, I wish I'd built a better <laughs> business before the, before the business. I'm not sure it would have helped, right? Because um, nobody nobody planned for this. You know, in retrospect, I wish I was in this industry, but I'm not. Uh, what I felt, what, what we realized almost certainly from day one, we had like a half-day pity party. We realized that this is a race and that everyone is going to be doing a land grab. And that land grab is going to be for the new frontiers that are still going to be relevant. And it was very, very important that we got out first. So while everybody else is waiting and saying, well, I just want to wait and see what happens after the lockdown's over. We were like, we're not waiting for anything. We came out of the gates running and we were going and we were trying to get as much a stake in the ground as we could. I'm actually recording a video on that um, idea soon. And for us, it was around the idea that... Uh, we work in events, professional events. Uh, we create presentations for conferences and we design conferences for people and all those conferences were canceled. We realized we came out quite aggressively with, um, we don't respect you, we've canceled your conference because that means your conference was never about the learning, it was only about the meeting and drinking. Uh, you can still do the learning and you can do it <laughs> online. And we went quite aggressively with that message and started hosting and running some online events. And it started to come around now. People are chatting to us about this all the time and coming and engaging with us. And by the end of this thing, I'm hoping that we will be the essentially South Africa, especially South African, but we want to be one of the world's leading authorities in hosting effective online events. And how have you, I mean, you know, so, so I've seen a lot of the, the things you've produced. What are, what are some of the strategies that you've deployed to, to make yourselves the leader in, in, you know, digital online events. So we've been leading the way with our, with our customers a lot, and we've really, really worked on our narrative. We've created a bunch of different things. So we've actually created full complete conferences in a box. So you can actually just buy a pre-created event and you can plug that into your, into your business. Uh, we have uh, speakers, we have all of these things ready to go. Uh, what was amazing is that conference in a box, the concept sold a lot of meetings Generally, the client didn't end up buying the conference in a box, but that was the hook that got us in the door and we ended up creating a bespoke event for them. 
And um, what I also realized that was quite interesting is that a lot of people waited because they wanted to be, you know, they want to be experts in something. But what I found to be very true here is that the concept of in the in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. And we realized that we didn't have to know uh, 10 times more than our clients. In fact, that probably would have put us too far away from them. We just had to be two or three steps ahead of our customers. Uh, and that's been enough for us. So we know two or three things that they didn't know they could do. And the other thing is that um, the main mindset shift is that you're not trying to do your offline event online. You're trying to work in the premise that what if this was better than the offline version and how can we act as if it could live and stand alone? And so we now, for the first time in 20 odd years, or 23 years, we have a retainer uh, going for our customers where it has some content management components, event management components in it. And um, yeah, so it's kind of changed. Our business will be better after this. And you, what have you, what has your big insights been? Because I see you've done a lot with regards to um, thought leadership, uh, but almost around COVID and around business as opposed to, so ours is beneficial to us. Yours is beneficial to society. Well, I think the, the thing, the, the main mistake we made, you know, in this land grab is we, we try to go into places where we probably shouldn't have been. So, so we jumped into, you know, trying to help people do disaster communications and things like that. And that's actually not NiceWorks speciality. Like we're really good at getting people to care. We're really good about crafting insights and messages and finding kind of that, that underlying human truth in something and, and turning it into something that people look at and go, oh, wow, I really want that. I, I can get on board with that. So, so we've shifted a lot of our energy and effort into actually taking that advisory role. So saying to people, like, this isn't a two-week problem. This isn't like a, a knee-jerk reaction that everyone has to make. We need to be almost calm and considered about the, the changes that we need to make because, you know, like, I think everyone's waiting for it to go back to the way it was, and I don't think it will. I don't think it's going to be completely different, but I think this is going to be a a wake-up call for a whole bunch of people and the opportunities that open up there are, are going to be interesting. So, so we've, we've trying to help people to, to rethink what, what resources do you have? What skills do you have? And, and if you abandon all of your old ways of doing things and think about it with, you know, from that perspective of what do we have, what can we do? you know, it, it opens up the opportunity to ideate a whole bunch of new products, exactly like you've done. You've gone, well, we've got really good presentation designers. We know how to run an amazing event. We understand technology. And if we put all of those three things together, we can be the best online event, you know, company in the world. Um, you know, so, so the way we've been sharing that is to actually put together reports for people about the trends that we see happening. Because I think... It's, it's naive of me to believe that I can understand every industry and every business and know what they need to do in order to shift their, their model. But we can hold the position in people's place of going, these are the trends we're seeing. What does that look like in your world? Because then you, you get to use their expertise in their domain combined with our expertise of being able to tell really good stories and to package stuff in a compelling way. And you've got something magical. Now, the question is, um, and I'm, I'm hoping the answer is a yes, let's say you realize, wow, there's something to this. That this. This is a big event, but it's not the only big event. Events happen. 
the what you've done here, is this something that you could eventually start saying, well, people actually need this content whenever anything happens. So is this a future, like, have you actually carved out a niche in a piece of, piece of land that you're staking a claim in? Or when this finishes, is it back to, to business as usual? Well, actually, I mean, so so one of the things we have on our forum update sheet is a there's a box for what is your biggest current fear. And at my last forum, um, my biggest current fear was that things would just go back to the way that they were afterwards. You know, I've realized a few things about about nice work and the mistakes that I've made and that I, the habits that that we've let cultivate in the business that just can't be there. The one is, you know, taking time to make your ideas perfect before you put them out there. You know, like this this thing has shown me that that we put out in the first two weeks of before the lockdown and the first week of the lockdown, we we conceptualized, branded, built, put out there and communicated six different product offerings. <laughs> Four of them died. But two of them survived. And one of the two that survived has actually forked into three or four other products. Now, now before the, the, the virus, it, it was taking me five, six months, you know, of making sure this thing's right. Is the copy perfect? Have we got the strategy right? And I think you, you lost that, that initial, uh, what's a hard man's, you know, business brickyard. It's like, what is the yeah, thing the that used to make you passionate? It's like, just, you know, get out there, try something. If it doesn't work, ask yourself why. If it needs to die, kill it and try something else. Because there's a million different ideas that you can put out there and, and then you can sort of invest in the ones that work. And, and I think that's, for me, is the biggest um, change that, that that's going to happen to me. Uh, so I buy all of that. And I, I, my, even your fear, I, I completely, and I just wanted to share this with you because that's why, and for those in the audio version, you won't see it, but I've just shared some slides. I was doing a talk the other day at Heavy Chef and um, my, 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 what I've learned in the 21 days, I mean, we're at 21 days of lockdown today. This is the 21st day. We're on Thursday. We were supposed to start. Yeah. And um, the habits haven't been created enough. In fact, the call I got off with a client just right now was, hey, we've been doing these three webinars a, a, a week for the last few weeks, but my guys kind of feel that novelty will wear off and it will just go back. And I was like, that can't be tolerated. And I, I kind of, my metaphor has been, has been this, has been, you know, when you're driving through traffic and you're, you're trying to get someplace and you're like, no, traffic, this isn't the best direction. And you look at your GPS and it's still saying to you, this is the right way. And you're like, no, I know a better way. And then you turn off and you take the next off ramp and you go your shortcut. And the worst bit is you've driven two or three kilometers and it says to you, you know, in 150 meters, make a U-turn. And you're like, no, I don't want to make a U-turn. But you know that if you get far enough away, eventually it'll catch up. And you drive like another two or three Ks and it says, you know, in 500 meters, make a U-turn. And still, you're like frustrated. Now you start doubting yourself and you're thinking, well, maybe I should make a U-turn. Maybe I need to go back to the traffic, back to where I was. That's the better thing. But eventually, you drive far enough away that a U-turn no longer seems viable. And it kind of, you get one of these messages, you know, like in 300 meters, turn right. And then you're like, yes, I beat my GPS. I've done it. I've got far enough away. And my realization was this, is that we need to get far enough away from the status quo that our old directions stop being relevant. And I love that. And I think that that's what's happening is that's the upside of, in fact, I wrote this, that's the upside of the lockdown is the longer this lasts, the less attractive going back looks. And in fact, why I was quite excited about the extension is that I don't know if you had this, Ross, but a lot of our customers would give us the excuse that, um, you know, we're just waiting till lockdown's finished because it was a it was an event. 
there was 21 days. It was, and short, it was, enough. It was short enough to be, uh, uh, we, can, yeah. we can just keep our head down for three weeks. Waiting was actually a strategy. Hibernation was a strategy. Whereas the yes. moment they said, okay, just kidding, it's going to be another two weeks. Two things happened. One, people, pan- anyone who panicked there was like, ha, you, you're the people we need to talk to now because you were the one who had the full sense of security. You thought that this was going to be a three-week thing. So, so now we now they know two things. They know that it's not that, that that it's not just three weeks and it's going to go longer. But now, more importantly, they know that they cannot trust the date that's been given. So now they know that this is technically open-ended to for all intents and purposes. So, so waiting is no longer a strategy, and that's actually no. the best news because now companies have to go forward. Now, I'm not suggesting that we we don't want to go back. You know, if you're in retail, you want to get back to your shop. But I think that if you're in retail, I know some uh, like Alon um, is actually doing some amazing things. You know, he's got some amazing ideas. I guarantee you, he, and maybe we should get him on the show. I think he'd be fantastic. That even when the store is open again, he's not going to stop working on the great idea he has. You know, he's, yes. so he will have a parallel blended strategy. When our clients come back to us and say, hey, can you help us run our conference in some city? I'm not going to say no. I'm going to be amazing. But I'm going to say, but... How amazing would it be if we could actually take some of the content and deliver it beforehand? Some will be audio-based on their drive to Sun City. One will be a video for the plane. And so we can actually make sure that the time you're together as a company, you can spend more time interacting and less time consuming data. So we'll be better. I love, I mean, I love that. So, so one of the insights that we, we've been uh, trying to guide our clients through is this idea of, of digital with a human touch. Like, I think this has been the fastest jump online that, that we've ever seen. I mean, my father is, is buying shit online with his credit card, which, is, which would have never happened without this thing. So, so how do we leverage the best of digital? But when we have the option to be human again, and when I say being human, it's actually spending time next to each other and seeing and, and having those in-between moments, which is all the things that make conferences and events and companies and water cooler talk. These are all the things that everyone's missing right now. So, so how do we carry the best of what we've discovered in this time out and combine it and amplify it with the best of what was taken away from us? Because I think that's, that's what will lead to amazing products, amazing experiences, amazing brands interacting with people and companies doing awesome stuff. I, I think also in the Savvy Chef thing I spoke about in a similar vein, the idea of rethinking. So I, up until this point, I always had a workforce and a workforce delivers... Um, we measure time at work. How long were you at work? Um, mm. Whereas I want to get to having a task force and a task force is measured by work by time. So mm. I wanted to go back. I know I don't want to go back to the idea that you have to come in at this time and leave at this time. If, you're, if your circadian rhythm is that you prefer staying up late and sleeping till 11 in the morning, well then so be it. Just get your work done and figure that out with your customers and, and, and we'll work around it. But um, I think that everybody has to journal every single day um, uh, uh, what habit stays and what habit, what new habit stays and what new habit goes. And mm. so have a, like anything that you do, you say, I used to do it this way. Now I do it this way. For example, have you found client meetings in our, in our industry so much better this way? One, they're half the length. So my average meeting time now is 30 minutes. <laughs> You yes. used to put, because you had to, and it's actually, so a meeting was actually three, uh, two to three hours because you drive half an hour, you spend an hour when you're there and you drive half an hour back. Whereas now a meeting is half an hour because you actually don't have time to talk crap. You get in, you do your thing, you, you get off, you're much more efficient. And 
because it's half an hour, I just save the recording with my staff. So I don't have to bring somebody else to the meeting. After the meeting, I can think, you know who would be the best to run this job? Charlene. And then I send her the Zoom recording, and then she goes through and she has first level information for everything. This is so Instead much more the bad, the bad brief that you would have typed out in a begrudging manner uh, to totally. her or shouted at her in half, half a minute. So is that the so habit actually, you want to carry through? So, that, so for example, we want client meetings to be this way. And the other thing is because we realize, well, hold on a second. We want to have, I mean, we're working our pages to stages product, turning people's business books into talks. I mean, we've got a client in Florida, a client in uh, Sydney and our South African clients. Uh, we shouldn't be punishing the Sydney and Florida clients just because they can't drive to the office. So what we're doing is we're making sure that we are an online first business so that mm. you, we can occasionally meet, but that's not our business model. That's more, more coincidental because we happen to be sitting in the same city. But even if I'm sitting here and you're sitting three blocks down, we may still have our meeting like this and then meet for a coffee later. But I like it. It also, I mean, for me, a lot of the thinking we've been doing is how do you, how do you change your your old school business model? So how do you change, you know, by, by saving two and a half hours on every meeting across the year, that saves you whatever, 200,000 hours. That means you can pass a saving onto your clients of 200,000 hours worth of time that they don't have to pay for to cover you and your team driving around and things like that. So, so by exactly by embracing this, you can actually make your product more affordable for them. Or, um, you know, um, Jason Fried from um, uh, uh, Basecamp, uh, they, give, they give their staff off. I mean, no, not all businesses work. They're a software development house, essentially, but they give Fridays off in summer. So in summer, they yes. work a four-day week because they're so productive the rest of the time that they realize, well, if we're doing this high output productivity. On, on, let's, give our, let's give our staff all through summer a, a four-day week. Why not? And um, again, because it's task by time, because it's work by time, not um, time at work, your mindset changes. And then you're saying, well, okay, so as long as we can still get the same output. Um, and they, so they, it's different for us because, you know, an event is when the event is. But the idea being for them that, well, we're going to be, uh, we're going to gain 10% extra per week during the year that we can actually end up giving them that back in summer. I love it. I mean, I, I love that, that, you know, I suppose the habit that I want to carry on is this idea of, of, you know, building stuff quickly, testing things, trying out new ideas mm. and convincing people to come along for the ride. Because I think one thing we've been guilty of is, is falling into the habits of what worked. And, and I think I love the energy that this thing has created in my team and, and the, the ideas that have happened and the things that have been built as a result of it. And if we can keep this, this hustle, I mean, this whole thing is, you know, in this crisis, we've been moving at a pace that feels slightly uncomfortable. And I think having an element of that all the time is, is a powerful force in your business that you don't fall into those kind of comfort traps and stay there for, forever. So I want to share something that came up uh, in our forum yesterday. And in fact, I actually, the reason I can share it is I said to the guys, hey, I want to record this into a video. And they were like, love it, do it. So let me just get to it. But we were talking about uh, what would, um, what would we, let me just get to the right place for it. Um, 
running a second business or starting a side hustle or starting these things, why have they failed for so many of us? Like, why have we never managed to get it to take off? And the realization was that we kind of went around the room and different people had different takes. And eventually we built up this list and it requires people, time, cash, focus, market. Those were the first ones we got to. People, time, cash, focus, market. But then what we realized, well, there was kind of two things. Is one, um, um, cash is actually tricky because cash, you don't need to have cash. You just need at least the availability to make it. Because most of us started our businesses, we didn't actually start with cash, which led to the other insight was one of the most important ingredients is you need discomfort. And discomfort is actually the most important ingredient. And the reason many of us have struggled is because the second business didn't matter. Because if the second business failed, we'd still be okay with our first businesses. Whereas what has happened right right now is somebody has taken a, a sprinkling of discomfort and in some cases, a dollop, and in some cases, the whole bloody jar, and thrown it into our businesses. So survival is no longer enough. We've now got to reinvent. And to your point, that's what I'm hoping. Um, How can we be on the edge of discomfort? Because I've been so far away from it for so long that that's actually why we haven't iterated or grown, because there's been no reason to do it. We've just been comfortable. Whereas if we can stay close to the edge of discomfort, um, Nick Carolambus has a line around it. And I just can't remember what it is offhand, but it's it's kind of that idea of flirting with the edge of discomfort. So you're right there on the edge teetering. Um, then you have to iterate. I, I love that. And, and I suppose the other, the other thing that complements this idea of discomfort that I, I've been you know, bad at until now is giving people inside your organization the, the, the blessing and ownership of what they need to do. So saying, cool, you're going to do this piece. I trust you. You can lean on me for insight. You can do this stuff. And after that, you know, like it's yours. It's yours to run. So, so we, I now have more people thinking about the finances of my business than I've ever had because I've shared that down with them and they've all bought into it and they feel infinitely more connected to it and they, they're much more creative in terms of finding solutions to it as opposed to waiting for me, Ross, to step into the room and offer them some brilliance that they then just execute on. I found that exactly. I also found that so very early on, we said like everybody's a sales guy now and everybody's got to do this. We've got to find creative ways to do it and we're all bought into it. They're really amazing. Um, the other thing was, for example, our um, Adobe Creative Cloud license came up for renewal, which is 250,000 rand. And it was amazing yes. when we went to the guys in the last time, last year, and we said to them, you know, do you want to use, can we move from Adobe Creative Cloud? No, Rich, it's so good. It's so this and this. As opposed to now, we said, guys, like, um, we can do Adobe Creative Cloud or we can find a free alternative. But if we do Creative Cloud, we may struggle. We may have to do a little bit of a salary drop for some of you guys um, in order to allow this to happen. Or we can find free Rich. We'll find alternatives. We can use whatever's <laughs> out there. And, and, um, but, but literally to the point that we had, I mean, you don't realize how much fat you have in your business. So we have pipe drive. We have um, uh, magnetic. We have Slack. We had pro accounts from all of them. And they're small. There's like, you know, six grand here, five grand here, six grand there, which you think is small, but that's 15, 16 grand. So now we've yeah. looked and we're on Bitrix24 is $90 per month for up to 50 users. It has pipeline, it has CRM, it has email management, it has all of these things for $99 a month. Now it's a little bit mm. clunky. It's maybe not as sexy as any of those things. It's, it's none of the first languages, you, you know, but it's a, it's a really great second language. Um, all of them can get by on it. 
And for now, the, the team has embraced it. So we've dropped to free accounts for everything else. And we're looking at Bitrix24 as our kind of one tool to rule them all. Now, if it's a really horrible experience, we will find something better. But what we did now is we've got, a, we've got permission to get out of those three old legacy relationships. We can try this Bitrix timer while we've got it instead of just hanging on to the other ones and then build out. If it's not good enough, mm. we'll find the thing that is instead of hanging on to the thing that isn't. Have you done any new systems in your business that have um, of note? Any new things come in? New systems. So, so I think uh, from a systems perspective, the best thing we did was we, you know, like we had the discussion about should we keep the internal meetings, um, and and there was a unanimous thing to say we actually want the 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 meetings. We're just going to get a lot more efficient at them. So hmm. we have a stand up in the morning, and it's literally ten minutes. It's not longer than 10 minutes because no one wants to be on the Zoom call for longer than 10 minutes. We're in the, when we were in the building, there would be like 15, 20 minutes. People talk shit. People would be late. We, we didn't start on time. So there's been a lot more discipline around keeping those times. And, and we found that the, the video calls and the, the frequent touch base with people actually has kept the team together. Mm-hmm. Whereas when we don't do them, people felt like they were drifting away and that they weren't part of an organization, which they were naturally getting by physically being in the room together. Do you have watercolor events as well? Kind of the no no work, talk about your favorite Netflix show type things. We have two a week. That's kind of built into every meeting. So every meeting starts with the one word open and it ends with a little bit of um, talking talking crap. So so we've sort of designed that into the, like the every day because I think it, it's... It's important. People want to feel connected to humans and not just jump into a business meeting and and you know like share status updates. Hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We do one big meeting a week and on a Monday morning, and then the different kind of heads. So I run a sales meeting. Different people run different things, and then we have two water coolers a week. But they're literally kind of no work talk, uh, just talk shit. I mean, work stuff can come up, but it's not project related. It might be. Hey, I really like what we did. This one team did this and they share those stories and another team will try that. But that's been very, very powerful. Like the business is iterating much faster than it has before, to your point from earlier. 100%. So going back I mean, I feels like a downgrade. Definitely. I mean, I love, so, so I think just to, to wrap all of this up, I love the idea that you need a, a big black dollop of discomfort. <laughs> Um, that you need to give people the ownership and, and, and empower them to do what they need to do. And I think for me, the biggest thing here is that this is an opportunity to question all the things that were un- previously unquestionable, that you can actually ask, what if we didn't have a finance system? I mean, I don't know if it's possible, but you can at least ask the question and go down that route and see, see yes. what comes of it. Actually, you're absolutely, that's an amazing insight. We now have permission to ask questions that before would have seemed unreasonable, but we, there, we can actually ask unreasonable questions reasonably now. Yes, and, and, and you're just exploring it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I guess you, what you're doing by that is giving your staff permission to ask those questions too. Yes, you want everyone to be doing it at every level of the organization. Like, do we need a buy paper? Do we need a printer? Like, do we, you know, like, and all of these things have been like sacrosanct for so long. And now mm-hmm. do we actually need them? I haven't, I haven't printed anything in two and a half weeks and I haven't missed my printer. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
So I think that should probably be a, that's a, probably a good place to wrap. And then from the format from next week is we're going to get a guest on. 20 minutes a show, yes. 20 to 30 minutes, have a guest on every week. Yeah, we want right? to understand... We want to understand how exactly like we just asked, like what are the insights? What did, what did, what did you wish you'd known or what do you know now? And, and what are the habits that you want to keep going forward? Because I think there's a treasure trove in here that we all, all forget when the pain goes away. And we'll try to get you some members. Obviously, we want to, to showcase some local members, but because of the medium, we can get some really great success stories from around the world as well. So I'm uh, looking forward to bringing those stories to you. Awesome. So thank you very much for listening. This is a COVID-19 special edition of Radio, uh, which is a podcast produced by the Entrepreneurs Organization in South Africa from their various different lounges slash spare offices in the, around the country. Um, quick shout out to our EO sponsors to, to Labornet and Bidvest. Uh, you guys are absolutely amazing. And if you're listening, we, we miss you and we love you. And we don't mind those Entrepreneurs. We've been chatting to them every day. <laughs> Um, if you if you're an entrepreneur and you want some uh, some some insights into into what EO is you can go to eonetwork.org there's some amazing resources out there for you Um, and my last thing is if you enjoyed this message please will you um, share it with someone give us a like give us a review on wherever you listen to it Um, and thank you very much and we'll catch you in the next one one last little thing, Ross, before you go, just to entrepreneurs and members out there. Uh, the one thing that I just want to say to you, if, um, and I know it seems strange, but if ever there was a reason to join the organization and none of us are mandated for you to do it, it would be now. I cannot tell you how nice it feels to be inside the EO castle walls at this time. Uh, the reason to join at the moment is different, but to be part of a community and to work with the community has been, has been unbelievable. And I, I, I really, really... I uh, feel that um, my eight years of, or seven to eight years of being an EO member uh, were all about this time. I, I can't, I mean, to, to, to share something, you know, EO's been so powerful for me recently that it, it, my forum actually helped me to see that just because my wife isn't working doesn't mean that she doesn't need time off from our son. So I've yeah. actually restructured my entire day because of some insights and it's actually made our lockdown infinitely better and our relationship much stronger. So, so apart from yes. just the business help, it's been a really powerful experience being part of this thing. Awesome. Thanks everybody for listening. We appreciate it.